0: Well, hello, my friends. This is Clyde Lewis here with the City Awakening Podcast, and I'm super excited to be back again on here and with my good friend, Jamie Winship. I'm so excited. I will tell you, our last time together as we were having this conversation on identity reconciliation, um, I was just looking at our statistics and the reach that uh, that we did, the interview that we did, and, and I cannot tell you that it's really exciting that 200. 33 times that this the interview was uh, was played and the feedback has been overwhelming. And so I'm really excited to be sharing again my good friend Jamie Winship as we talk about identity reconciliation and all of that. And um, and most importantly, I'm super excited for all those that will be blessed by this interview. Um, And hey, if you came to City Awakening this past weekend, it was absolutely amazing. It was absolutely off the hook. God, you know, just came in and blew the doors off, and it was amazing. So. Get your calendar out. The dates for next year's conference is October 2nd and 3rd. October second and third at the Collective Church again. So get your tickets. Everything's uh, on online. You get your tickets. Go to www.cityawakeningpdx.com. Get your tickets. If you live in the Tri Cities area, we are coming to the Tri cities Tri Cities area, Tri City area. Excuse me. Uh, still overwhelmed from the weekend. Um, so Tri Cities, uh, January twenty uh, fourth and twenty fifth, City Awakening will be there. So you want to get your tickets for that. It's going to be absolutely amazing. So without further ado, I'm going to bring my friend in, Jamie Winship. So stay tuned. Hey, Jamie, you there? Yeah. Hey, I'm my here. friend. Oh, I'm here. to be here. <laughs> yes. Part two of this great conversation, this great conversation, as I was telling you, this, um, I mean, this podcast was, I mean, our interview was, uh, you know, downloaded, 222 233 times i mean people were listening great feedback um i personally listened to it three times already and um (laughs) because it was so good and um i was just like man that that was really rich uh and uh, really um just blessed me so um so we're here again and we're, we're talking about this and i will tell you and our listeners, that this is um, what was responded by reported back to me. Excuse me, was that this is a needed conversation, and it's a many people are afraid to uh, talk about the um, one number identity, to the racial area of I mean all of this, and and it's not about skin color. It's not about this. It's 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 a tension that's around. It's it's a no one wants to really deal with it. We do surface talk conversation around it, but I'm telling you, many people have said, yes, go all the way into it, like, let's address it, um, and and so we kind of got a little foundation here, Jamie. I think we're trying to kind of put it together in a way that uh, is, can bless people. Not if, We're not here to offend anybody, but we're here to bless people and oh, to man. really walk Absolutely. through that process. So without further ado, my friend, I'm going to ha- just have you, uh, I mean, I guess really, Walk in this process. I guess let's just open up this way. The the identity. Um, walk us through the process of the identity. Like like, how did you get started in the whole process? I mean, we heard the story of you mm-hmm. know being a police officer and and in trusting God's mm-hmm. voice, and that was amazing. But then I believe you begin to segue into really overseas, um, and and. How did this walk, how did you get into the whole process of identity to where we are today?
1: Right. So, um, yeah, so the, so I, I discovered, as I was saying in our last time together, it was, a, it was kind of a new revelation to me being raised very conservatively, evangelically um, in the church. I was in that God doesn't speak anymore, that, that we read the text the text is it, um, the graph, the actual scriptural text. And I didn't know anything about the Rhema word of God or the Logos or the spoken word of God the, through the spirit, through the mind of Christ, that sort of thing was was new to me. So as a, as a police officer, I was discovering just the beauty of the God who speaks, the, the, the God who's always spoken to his people. He creates by speaking and speaks his word into us and spoke his word into the world. And, so working through that process, and then I was, uh, you know, I, I, got promoted because I would have these ideas that I would say came from God or um, from creative thinking. Because because being a, a person who's transformed, any of us, this one of the signs of the Holy Spirit is create creativity. Um, you're thinking of things in new ways, and you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind continuously. So I was interviewed um by the u.s government basically on this what i was doing and i explained it to him and i was offered a position and that led to us moving into the muslim world for more than 20 years so once once we got into that world this this is again where identity became so important but i wasn't really aware of it so now i'm here I am. I I believe in the inspired word of God. I believe um, in the, the Spirit of God given and um, in Christ. And so I'm using this. And but then I shift out of my what I knew culturally into a completely different culture of the Islamic world. And I'm teaching in a university that all of my students are Muslims. And I started to speak to them, not as people, not as individuals, but as Muslims, as an, as, as if their identity was Muslim. Mm-hmm. And when you, as soon as I did this, I marginalized them. I had, I dehumanized them. Um, so we all know that when you we identify one another by group or groupings, that we, de, we, we take away the individual identity, we dehumanize, and they just become a monolithic, them there's wow. us and there's them they're not humans and um and you can't love them you can only love others you can't love them as a box of those. and not only was it them they were a counter to me they were a counter group to my group so i actually moved away from what i was learning into a much more intellectual i just got to prove these people wrong and so when you go to prove a group wrong you talk to them like they all think and act exactly the same i don't know if you've noticed yeah, it yeah yeah but it wasn't like it wasn't like, i wasn't doing what jesus was doing was like sitting down with nicodemus and then he's talking to matthew it's it's just like i'm just talking to this block of enemy and so i just started using generalized ideas about the entire group as if none of them thought on their own which is fairly insulting to a group of people when you're doing that to them mm-hmm. um and so already i was moving away from actually what god was teaching me through his word and and how much he cares about the individual the the, the you know the widow and the orphan and there, i'm just on to my thing and so it produced a lot of actually separation and conflict so when you ignore identity, when you ignore individual identity, you produce separation. So let me just say that, if, if I ignore my own unique identity that God has for me, if I ignore it, I become separate from myself. Yes. I have to, because I don't actually know who I am. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, I'm just a Christian. I'm far more than that to the Lord, much more than that to Him. Um, So anyway, so we started doing that and it caused, it produced a lot of conflict and, you know, a lot of resistance and trouble. And I was actually confused by what was happening. Like I thought, you know, okay, they're against us. And it's the enemies against us. And it was, I wasn't paying attention to the Lord asking God, God, what do you want me to know? And what do you want me to do in this situation? Not what's the black thing a Christian does with Muslims, not that thing. you know, and, and we teach we teach this, oh, you met a Mormon, here's how Mormons think, here's how you attack a Mormon's belief, that's, that's how we teach it. And it produces separateness. Yes. It produces racism and all these kinds of things. So in that process, so then the Lord was like, here we go, now you need to learn about identity. And Muslim is not an identity, and Christian is not an identity, those aren't identities, those are names of teams. And so in that process, lot four years of absolute frustration I, I, you have to remember that Jesus said very simply, by your fruit, they know you. Yes. So if I, if someone came and inter, interviewed me and I could say, yeah, I really love Muslims. I really, and then they watch, watch the interaction of me and I'm listening. They're like, you don't love them in any way. You're just trying to beat them. You're just trying to make them join your team. You don't love them. You're not becoming all things to all men. Like Paul said in Corinthians, I become all things to all men in order that we might win some he said, by becoming a servant to all. And that isn't what I was doing. I was just forcing my team view on their team view. So fortunately in all that, and it was really very difficult. And my whole thing was like Muslims are resistant and they're the bad guy and they're the enemy. Even though I would read in the Bible, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Even though I was reading that and watching Jesus, I was living counter to it. My practical life was counter to it. So, um, but in the midst of all that, God's beautiful grace and love towards me, and He wants me to be transformed and um, brought into fully who I am in the kingdom, me uniquely. So I hear rumors after being there five years of this guy, this American. They, they use the word foreigner. That's how they talk. There's a foreigner here. Isn't that funny? That's what they ca- called him, a foreigner. <laughs> and sometimes they called him, they called him, um, yeah, they called him foreigner, which is Asting, foreigner, or bole which means white. They called him the white foreigner. That was their team classifications for this guy. So they used those terms. But then when they would continue on talking about this person, they loved, he was very dear to them, which was odd to me. So he was from the wrong team. He wasn't from their team. That's just how the general category they had from, but then when they started to talk about him, they would say, oh, he's one of us. He lives among us. It was really interesting. It was like the Pharisees seeing Jesus. They're like, he kind of sounds like us, but he's clearly not. <laughs>
0: but they love you know, him. He's one yeah.
1: of us, but he's not really. Yeah, and they love him, right? And so, and he had been living among uh, Indonesians for fifteen years, and so I was so intrigued by him. And the Muslims loved him, and they would talk about how they were meeting Jesus with him, like that wow. he was he was a he was a reason why they were encountering Jesus. So this is what's beautiful. See. Even though his outward classification to them originally is white foreigner, when they talked about who he really was, they would call they had another name for him, and they would say he was the, he's the one that helps us meet Jesus. That's how they talked about it. To me, uh, me to them was just a just a white enemy, basically. That's what I was to. Them. I was just coming to challenge and fight them. But this person was. Beyond that identity, he was he was more intimate with them at a deeper level. And so it was hard for me to believe that he was really biblically pure. Now listen to this, this is important because people make this Christians make this mistake. I thought because the Muslims loved him and were and were being transformed by him, that it had to be false in some way, that it couldn't be true because Muslims are hard and they're mean. See, I just can only think of him as a monolithic enemy. And like, how can they be being transformed? My experience is that if theres it's not possible they're resistant to me because I wasn't treating them like humans, like he was. And so then I became intrigued with, well, I got to find this guy and prove that he's not doing it right in order to justify my separateness.
0: But Jim, in that, did, 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 you, in, did you feel like some a little bit of resentment towards this guy? Or because he's oh, like,
1: yeah. like, yeah. like yes. I'm on Jealousy. a mission of finding this Jealousy. guy. Jealousy. Okay. That's wow. right. I, I, yeah, I was very jealous. This shows you my own false identity that I'm operating in. I wasn't rejoicing cause I heard good news about people coming to faith. I was in competition with this guy and he was clearly winning. So I <laughs> resented him. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. I was, I was jealous of him and I hadn't even met him. <laughs> and I, so I couldn't, I couldn't rejoice with them, you know, cause I, this happens a lot and we get competitive with even our own brothers and sisters. And so I didn't want him to be successful. So I wanted to find him so I could prove that what he was doing was wrong and that it was syncretistic and not biblical because why would the Muslims be running to Jesus with him when I was doing it and they were mad at me and resistant? So I eventually made contact with him uh, and it was funny because he didn't want to meet with me. (laughs) He was like, he he kept saying, you're going to hurt what we're doing. That's what he said. You're going to hurt what we're doing because you don't love, these. you don't love them. You're in a fight. You're in a, you're, you're not interested in them being transformed. You're interested in winning an argument with them or proving them wrong or something like that. Very fleshly, very, you know, um, all And so, but he, I finally did meet with him and I had to really beg him to like, teach me what he was doing. Because he he felt like I just I wasn't interested in reconciliation. I was just interested in separateness. So, but he finally agrees. He, he so he starts to train me, and of course, I discover that he speaks the gospel in a beauty and depth that I used to do. Wow! Back when I was a cop, I had lost. The enemy had distracted me off of it. Again, this is important. So, when I was a police officer, talking to the people I you know people I ran and came in contact with. In the U.S., whether they were black or white or Hispanic or whatever, I, I treated them all as like these are unique individuals, and their identity comes from. I mean, they're they're. I can listen to God, and God will talk about, it and I can speak. It. But when I shifted into the Muslim world, I was suddenly facing an enemy team, and I changed the way I talked to very combative, very um, me against you. And the Lord was was showing me how racist I was. I I. You know, I, he had to put me in a place where, like, man, I really just dislike these people because they're not me, and I'm not interested in really them coming into the kingdom and being transformed. It was like I want to withhold salvation from them because I don't like them. And um, and and he, this guy really revealed that in me, and he noticed it pretty quickly, and he would address it. You know, he would say, "These, these, they're not your enemy. Satan is our enemy." These. People are deceived by the enemy, and our job is to help them be uh, meet truth, meet Jesus, which is truth. And truth will change the whole scenario of Christian-Muslim, and all of that will be transformed by Christ, not by the debate between the groups. Right? Jesus will transform the conversation, not me proving something right or wrong. He kept saying that to me, and so so he trained me, and I would do what he did. And he was incredible. I mean, it was just amazing to watch him pull out the gospel and start speaking to these Muslims who were tough. They were tough guys. They were fighters, and and they would just they would be they would be transformed by Jesus. They would have visions of Jesus. It was just remarkable. Those things I haven't really experienced at that level. And here we are in the middle of a Muslim country. (laughs) I was like, there wasn't anything (laughs) around except me, him, and Jesus and the gospels. You know, so it was the word of God, the text, the word of God, the spirit of God, and the people of God. That's what he kept saying to me. Jamie, it's the word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God together, those three, not one of each, not just people of God, not just word, not just spirit. The balance of the three. So community, the text and the spirit together in balance, working together. And it was stunning to watch it happen and how much the, the, the people rejoiced at the good news. That's what they were doing. So I realized what I was saying to him wasn't good news it was at all. It was just a fight. So he, So I started doing what he was doing and then one day he's watching me and he pulls me aside and he says to me, he says, you don't know your identity, do you? And I got a, I offend, I was offended. And I said, what, you, what does that mean? I'm doing exactly what you do. He said, that's not what I'm talking about. He said, you don't know who you are personally in the kingdom, do you? You don't know your identity. Well, you don't know how God views you or what he calls you. You don't understand it. And I got mad. I was just frustrated. I said, how do you know that? And he said, because you're just imitating me. And he said, I'm already here. We don't need me. We need you. But if you don't know who you are, then we can't tell you who you are. We'll never, you're of no value to us. And I mean, that really stung me. And I thought, wow, how much of my life have I spent just imitating other Christians that I think are better than me?
0: So Jamie, so So real quick, so (laughs) I'm just picturing, like, I would be like, I mean, like, yeah, that's stung, but like it's the reality. I don't know who I am. I've lived this other person for all my life, and and I know me. That's I was right. like, how do I if I don't know who I am, then how do I find who I am? Like, I mean, that yeah. that's pretty bold that's to what, say you don't know who you are.
1: That's right. And he and he made me truth tell about it. Confess, you know, confession is truth telling. Okay, and go I, into that. And, Talk and I had about to. That. And, Yeah. So confession, you know, is not saying is not the the biblical concept of confession. It just means to tell the truth. It's the idea that if you write a confession about something, you're not saying you're sorry. You're telling the truth about where you were, what you. It can be good or bad. I confess I'm an American. It doesn't mean I'm sorry. It just means this is what's true or what I perceive to be true. And so he said he was just wanted me to confess that I actually don't know who I am at any deep level. And I, no one had ever challenged me on it before. I just blundering you know along in really a wrong sense of who i am and um and with little parts of the, a little glimpses of understanding who I am, but mostly not knowing and the way he said that he could tell I didn't know was I was just imitating other people, and that's what we do that's what we're taught we're born into the world, and we start we think you know i'm amazing and i'm a, amazing little kid and then we start realizing wait a second I'm not I'm not as good as that person or if I really wanted to be look good I would look like that person or I would could read as fast as that person and then you fall into this lie of the world that who you are isn't enough mm-hmm. that you have to be compared to another person who's famous or whatever they are and we all learn that really young and we and unless it's challenged we just buy right into it we dress like other people. We just start doing it um, to gain our identity from someone else,
0: and that's what we're person. seeing. And that's what we're seeing right now is oh and, and, and even that's in right. when we talk about this race things. If I, if I've grown up in a family that is doesn't like a certain uh, uh, ethnic group. Um, then I right. form my belief in that and I don't like that person. Well, when you ask that person, well, how come you don't like them? Well, they don't really know is but that my That's family, right. my family, our whole family, it always goes it always goes back to family or or I've Go grown ahead. up this way. This is all I've known.
1: Right. Exactly. And right. And to to challenge that. is is a sense, like, I feel like I will lose, if I don't have that group, then I don't have an identity, which is not true. But that's how we feel. So, yeah, so my, just because it's never addressed, we just think, well, this is normal. You get your identity from Mm -hmm. your family or your group or your team, and then you protect that team, even if they're terrible, you protect them at all costs, even if they're wrong. The other problem with that is, what if I figure out something about my team is incorrect and I go to stand against that team? Then the team ostracizes you, right? This is yes. Jesus. Jesus is ostracized by his own team because he won't toe the team line. That's right? Correct. Yep, yep. So, and, and this is the worst kind of pain is when I turn back to my own family and Jesus talks about this, or my own ethnic group or my own religious group and say, "Hey, you know what, I think we're wrong about this part. And your own group kicks you out or punishes you or shames you because you're not not saying what the party line is for the team. Then that means that no team can be self-critical. If a team can't be self-critical, then you just stay blind, you just stay blind. So let me so let me just go with that. So a prophet's job, the prophets of Israel, their job was to be self-critical of Israel. So they would go to their own team and say, "You guys were racist. We're ignoring the orphan," and their own team would kill them. So if I say to if I say to my white community, I think we're wrong about this. And the white community punishes me for having a different view than the white community. And the African American community punishes their dissenters and the Jewish community punish, punishes their dissenters. No group can ever change. Ever, never change. And so we just stay separate. That's <laughs> what happens to us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is what happened this is this is why we have the Holy Spirit is to enable us to tell the truth about where we're wrong about things. To be self-critical, um, and and so confession leads to repentance, which is mind change or a new way of thinking about myself. If we don't have a new way of thinking about ourselves, we'll never be transformed. We can never be transformed.
0: And that's at so, the deepest level. The new, making that confession
1: at, exactly,
0: at the deepest yes. level, been as truthful as possible at the right. deepest level. For the and that is hard transformation, yep. change
1: of my thinking. That's right, mm-hmm. right. I, so good. I, it, it, I, I yeah. I, um, it's can I, yeah. Can I tell the truth at the deepest level of who I am at the places where I'm most afraid? That's what the spirit leads us to. Is that kind of truth telling, which we know leads us to redemption and transformation. But we're so afraid of it. We're so afraid that what if I have to say that I'm wrong? What do I have have to say? What what if I have to say my family's wrong? And Jesus said it. He said, he said, truth telling can divide families. It will divide families because not everyone in the family wants to tell the truth. And if you pick your family above me, you cannot be my disciple. So it's, And this was hard, this is a challenge for the Muslim community. If a Muslim person says, hey, I think Jesus actually is the divine one, the anointed one coming to the flesh, and their tribe or their team says, if you say that out loud, we're going to kill you, they have to make a decision. Then if the Muslim says, hey, you know what? I think we probably need to be at one with Israel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you can They're not allowed to say it. But that's what all of our groups are doing to each other. We're all doing that in our own groups. We're saying if you don't say what our group believes about all the other groups, we will kill you in our own group. We will ostracize you from our own group. Right?
0: Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes big so, sense. So
1: everyone, everyone's trapped. No one can say they're wrong. No one can tell the truth. So all we can do is point to the other groups and say, you're wrong. That's our only option because our own group won't let us tell the truth. either. So it's their fault. It's the other group's fault. It's the other team's fault. It's not my fault. And so we're all victims. We all are victims. All of us, not one group. All of us see ourselves as victims of the other groups. Because none of us can tell the truth about our own group. And this, this creates separateness or sin. It creates, it keeps us divided. yeah Yeah. and so that's what really came out to me personally in this when he so so my question was your question well how do i know who i really am at the deepest level and he said well clearly god is the only one that can tell that who can tell that to you except god and so but i he sent me to another guy that this is what this guy does with people he he walks them through the, a discovery, a revealing of who you really are. It's not, you You already are that person. You just don't know it and you've been deceived by the world. So it's just a process of coming in and the way you start is to say first, all the things you believe about yourself that actually aren't true. So it, you kind of have to clear the way of all the false that you believe about yourself. Mm. And, and, and that process begins with asking God, Lord, would you just lead me through your spirit, your word and your spirit? This is David praying, search me, O God, and know me and reveal to me every way in me that's offensive to you. It's a very deep searching. It's beyond race, religion, any of that. Stuff. It's deeper than that. It's deeper than gender, deeper than sexual orientation. It's far deeper than all those labels we use. It's search me and know me, the real me, the one you knit together in my mother's room. And you tell me the things that I believe about myself and the world that are actually false. Very uh, Psalm 139, because you're the one that knit me together. You know everything about me, so you tell me. I'm not going to tell you. You tell me. And so I went into that process with this guy, and I it, I, it, I just wept. I just as soon as I said, "Would you just show me all the stuff I believe about myself, say about myself?" It's actually not from you, and uh, it just was like uh, poison coming out of me uh, because what came out of me is not, you know, I'm white Irish Catholic from Boston. I'm, that thing isn't what it. It's like I'm not good enough. I'm I'm not good enough to be with Muslims. I I never was smart in school. Those are the real deep down identities that are killing us that we never talk about. And so instead of talking about those, we talk about these surface identities because we don't want to get to the real truth about what we really think about ourselves at the deepest level. We don't want to do it. And so I'd rather fight being a, you know, I'd rather fight a Mormon about being a Christian than to get down deep and go, you know what, Lord, I just don't think you even love me. Like I don't think I'm even worthy of your love, so I'm going to self-protect and self-promote and self-protect and self-promote to just try and tell myself that I'm good enough. To try and prove to myself that I'm good enough, and these produce false identity. They produce it. The the and and we learn these false identities very young, and so I just went through that process. And it's an ex- the cross is always an exchange when we come to the cross of Christ. It's giving away the false and receiving the truth. God, these are the things I believe about myself since I was young. My, one of my big ones for me was that I'm, that I'm powerless. That was a big one for me that I'm actually powerless in situations. So if you feel powerless in a situation, your only two options are that you have to give up to the situation and be a victim or you fight like crazy. You just, fight all the time to prove that you're not powerless. So you either, you know, fight or run. That's and both okay. of those reactions, both of those reactions will kill you, ruin you. So in a group, then if I'm in a group, and all of us are in the group are actually afraid, and the group decides, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna fight. We're gonna prove that we're not afraid. We're gonna fight. Then you have a gang. Now you have a gang. And any, whether it's a church gang, a religious gang, a street gang, a political gang, you're now a gang and you're going to beat up everyone that says anything wrong about you or anything mean about you because you're just going to go around and prove to everyone how tough you are. And that causes wars. That's countries do it to each other because individuals do it to each other. Yeah. So, uh, so, so we can't ever really tell the truth about, you know what, I'm actually quite afraid. That's really, I feel powerless and afraid. We won't tell the truth. If we would say to Jesus, I feel powerless and afraid, and we give that to him, he will say back to us the truth of who we really are, like he said to Gideon. Not only are you not powerless, and not only are you not afraid, you're my mighty man of valor. That's your true identity. Let's live in that one. Come with me, because you can only do this with Christ. Come with me, walk with me, follow me. And I will make you into the person you really are, which is my mighty man of valor, or my president or my leader of a company or my writer or my whatever it is he calls you that is really true about you and that's what I did with that guy, and it was it was it was quite dramatic for me, but so, it was all, but it was already all, it was already all there.
0: and so Jamie, when he walked you through, through that process, was it like a two day process? Was it like a, you know, a whole day process or was it like a, a a short meeting and he just literally walked you through and you felt a shift in, inside of, you You felt like the intimate love of the father, like right there with you.
1: Yeah. 20 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And the long part was me just puking out all the bad stuff. That was the long part. (laughs) Once I did all that, once I vomited all that out at the cross, and then I asked Jesus, what do you call me? Very quick. He's very quick because he wants you to know who he made you to be. He's not playing a game with us. The game is all the lies we believe about ourselves. That's what complicates it all. Once that's removed, you know, cast all your cares on him because he already cares for you. He's always cared for you. The problem is you don't believe he cares for you. That's the complication. So once you once you say the false and you make for the true, the truth's right there. He just immediately, he's like, oh, you're mine. Because he's been saying it to you your entire life, you're just, you can just hear the world louder than you can hear the little small voice of the the spirit in you. So we have to learn to listen to that beautiful voice because the voice of Christ says things to us that we don't believe about ourselves. Yes, all day long. Jesus is like, I'm so proud of you. And you're like, you can't be proud of me. I didn't witness enough. I didn't pray enough. You can't be proud of me. Oh no, I'm proud of you. I've always been proud of you. Why? Because I made you. That's what he says. I made you. I'm proud of you. You don't have to earn it. I you have to receive it and then live like I'm proud of you, which are acts of worship. Then I share my faith as an act of worship of the one who's proud of me and he's proud of you too. And, then you start to share the kingdom quite powerfully and regularly because you're sharing it from your true self. You're not trying to make God like you and prove that you're religious and all that stuff. So
0: isn't it right, Jamie though, has that, as you get through this process, you get on the other side and, and, and it's often, I've heard you say it's got, there's layers and layers to your identity.
1: Oh, Oh yeah. It's like layers. Yeah. Because, that's right. It because the discovery of who you actually are in Christ is an eternal journey. It's so deep and beautiful. You you, you want you don't can't get to the exactly It's like he says, like Jesus says to the Samaritan woman, "If you drink from me, if you will let me serve you, from you will flow rivers of living water. Not like one day of living water, rivers, and they will flow from you." Um, because that's the depths of who you really are in the kingdom because you're a masterpiece created by God before the foundation of the earth that reveals his glory to the world and to the heavenly realms. And so, yeah, every time I, every time I think, wow, this, I really appreciate, Lord, for you made me to be in this season of my life. And then I discover, oh my gosh, there's a whole nother level to this. And there's a whole nother level to this season. And, and always it's removing the false the, and then you go to another level and then there's another level of false and you go to another level. And so it's a regular presenting your body, a living sacrifice, holding acceptable, not conforming to the patterns of the world, all the false identities of the world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. How often? All the time. And so what believers should be saying, you know, last year I was like this or two years ago I was like this and now I'm like this. And in two years from now, I'm like this, it's this constant transformation. It's not a one and done ever with Jesus, never one and done. It's a beautiful, beautiful eternal journey of just being in absolute awe of who God is and also who he's made you to be. It's and, so stunning. And it's what people are hungry for.
0: Yeah, people are so hungry for that. And I hope you guys listen yeah. to that part is that this is not just a one-time deal. This is like, this is a journey. This yeah. is life. This is like every day walking yourself through this process of, God, what do you want me to know? What do you call me? And God, in this layers. The enemy will always speak to a false
1: self. Always. God always speaks to
0: the truth, the true self.
1: Right. Yeah, and you you know, it's like in the scriptures, how many times does Jesus do something in front of the disciples and two verses later they're worried about it again? He has to keep reminding them, look, don't stop going back to zero every time. (laughs) Like, learn who you are. Okay, now here we're going to go deeper into who you are. Okay, now here we're going to go deeper into who you are. And stop going back to I'm nobody again. Stop going all the way back to zero cause this is a long and beautiful journey and you watch them learning, they're getting it. And then into acts, you know, and then they have the spirit and they're like, you can kill us and we're not gonna stop. Where, whereas in the, you know, of course in the gospels, they're like fighting over who's, in, who's first in heaven and we, we forgot the food, you know, they're that kind. But boy, you watch them start to really learn who they really are in the kingdom of God. And then when it comes to acts then they spread out and go across the world. And they're very distinct and unique identities to reach a very diverse world. That's so good.
0: That's so good. And so Jamie, when he walked you through that the process, did you go back to the guy that told you to go find this guy? Yeah. And did he yeah, and what did they start training you? Because I know in your mind you think, Okay, I got this now. I've got to be able to go back and and train our our team and 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 our people so that we can be a effective uh, uh that's right and reaching because i remember one time we were talking and we got into the you shared a little about um the guy that trained you um and he said something about you don't know how to talk to muslims
1: that's right i yeah. think that was
0: one of the big little right. points yeah. for you like like what do you mean i didn't know there was another way or um to talk to him
1: Right, exactly, because the way I, I yeah. so I'll use this terminology and try and show you like biblically what this means, but our shorthand terminology is he kept saying to, the, to me, sh- the true you is not talking to the Muslims, it's a false you talking to them. And so what that meant was, I, again, like back what I said earlier, when I was talking to the Muslims, I wasn't interested in them discovering who they are with Jesus and being transformed. I was more interested in proving that I was a good evangelist. That's all I cared about. Proving that I could do it. And that's very false. That's a very false ego, egotistical self, to prove like I can come back and say, oh, I won, you know, 500 Muslims to Christ, and then I can put out a newsletter about it and write a book about it. That's all ego-driven, where, and he said, and he would tell me, he goes, not only does that not work, It's not even true. Let the real you talk to the real them. So when I came back after, you know, discovering how to kind of understand that scripturally, I realized that Jesus is calling the true individual out of every person he talks to. He's calling the true up and out of the false presentation that people are giving of themselves. And, and once I started to, I started realizing I don't even like the way I'm talking to these people. I don't like the interaction. It's producing it's producing conflict in me, it's producing conflict in them, it's affirming the fact that I'm a failure which makes me try harder to beat them. And, and so there's no possibility of reconciliation, none. It's a competition of who's right. In the true me that God made, the true self, the, the true self in Christ, is not in, never in a competition. It's never, it's never comparing itself to anyone. So I'm just content in who I am. So I'm not here to beat you. All I'm here to tell you is that you can be alive and free in the kingdom of God right now in the true you. (laughs) Like, and it brings complete peace in your life. So, because I was at now that peace, I could actually love them because I was, I loved who God made me to be. And I wasn't trying to prove anything to them. And, those, these, and I would sit down with them and it wasn't like, you're a Muslim and I'm a Christian. And it was like, my name is Jamie. Your name is Fadi. Fadi, tell me tell me what you're afraid of. And that was the real me trying to talk to the real him. And he would say, well, I'm a Muslim. No, 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 no. And I'm not talking about Islam. I'm talking about you, Fadi. What are you afraid of as a 25-year-old Palestinian Muslim? What are you afraid of? And he would say, I'm afraid that that no one cares about me. Boom! Here we go. Here we go into the real gospel of, of Christ dying for this scared kid. Right? And that's where the true Jesus speaks to the true Him. And they would start to meet Jesus there very quickly. The Christ crucified and risen didn't want to debate Islam with people.
0: Right, he never right. did that.
1: Right? Never did. He that. wanted to rest. Never did it. He wanted to rescue the the human that he knit together in his mother's womb that's been deceived and injured by the world and called names by the world. He wants to rescue that person. And when the real me is talking to that real person, the real Jesus is there to meet with them. But in this false, stupid, my team's better than your team, and Jesus isn't in that talk. He can't participate in that kind of talk. He won't do it. You'll only deal with what's true because what's true is what's true is what sets us free. That's the only thing that can set us free is, is true. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So, And if you lift me up, I will draw people. But if you want to get in a battle over whose who's identity is better than the other ones, or who owes who what, I I'm, that's not the conversation I'm in. Talk about me, don't talk about which religion is better or which group is better, talk about me and I will draw the groups into unity, into reconciliation, into being truly human together in their individual unique identities, not as gangs of people, yeah.
0: So when you did that, where was Donna at? Did you have to go back and like, okay, here's a new strategy, here's a new plan? Because it almost sounds like, you were you know, not really focusing on your mission. You were trying to be hard
1: and <laughs> then God uh-huh. had to
0: bring you all the way back around. That's and right. so, you know, now you have to say, okay, we have a new strategy to approach mm-hmm. the Muslims. And so was Donna there, was she part of this transformation? Does she know how yeah, to walk had- through that process?
1: Yeah, we we had to we had to do it together between us because Donna's Jewish and I am Christian. You know, I'm Gentile, and so uh, and that affects the way we think about even Muslims. Both of us think differently as Muslims because of our history and our people, and and so and then that, it's a good question. It's a good question, Clyde. Because so so when we so you know we were working through this together. And uh, we were talking about our idea, like, what's our identity? Is my identity Jewish? Is my identity Gentile? Is my, you know, what is Jesus calling me? What's the Lord calling me? And we're looking at the scripture where Jesus receives his identity from God at the baptism. What is, how does God identify Jesus? What's the identity of Jesus? He says, this is my son. This was an important passage for Donna being Jewish because he didn't say Jesus was his Jewish son. That's a big deal. It's a big, he, big deal. He said this. Th- he said this is my son. And so her question was, okay, why didn't he say this is my Jewish son? Because Jesus was Jewish, and that was important. But it wasn't his unique identity. Wasn't being Jewish. His unique identity was being the son, mm-hmm. right? And so, so when Donna prayed and she was asking the Lord, so. If my my birth identity, my ethnic identity is Jewish, what what do you call me? Then it really then it was much deeper than Judaism and Russian Judaism and all that. It was he called her daughter. That's what he called her. He called her daughter, which was very beautiful to her because he called Jesus son. He called her daughter, and him calling her daughter just made her weep because she's never felt good enough but mm. the common human, she's, you know, yeah, she's never felt good enough, and 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 suddenly, well, why would the Lord call you daughter if you're not good enough? You, yeah, you know, a daughter doesn't. Jesus didn't have to do anything to make God love him. Jesus, God says, "This is my son, who I love and who I'm pleased in." He hasn't done have started the ministry yet. I love him. Why? Because he's my son. That's his identity. I love the identity that I created, and so. Why does God love Donna? Because she's a Jewish person working among Muslims in the Muslim world? Nope. He loves her because she's his daughter. That's why. That's it. By faith you've been saved through grace, not, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, not of missionary work, but it's a gift he gave you. He gave you identity. He's given you an inheritance in Christ. Receive it. And if you go move to the Muslim world, do it because that's what he's asked your unique identity to do, not because you're trying to prove that you're valuable to God or to other Christians that you're, you know, more committed than they are or something, which is what we do, right? What yeah. we do. Um, it's because you love him and he asked you to be there. He invited you to live there. And that, it, it, it changed everything about the way you look at Monday morning. <laughs> Every because now I'm not getting up to prove stuff to people or to prove something to God or to prove something to myself. I'm getting up to be who he made me to be with rest in that. All right. It's already there. We're already having it. We're at rest now. Let's move. Let's discover all that that means. And then you're on the lifelong, amazing beyond what you can ask and imagine journey. There it is. But if you're trying to prove something to God every day or trying to prove something to yourself or your neighbors, you're on a treadmill that's just nothing but separateness comes out of it and and discouragement and fear and all those other negatives. So we had to do that together. I want to say one other thing about that. And this yeah, might be a whole other time.
0: No, no, but, no. You go with This so, is a great conversation.
1: <laughs> so when her and I were doing this together, so that, this was, we've been married 36 years. And so this was, this was when we were, you know, just for everyone knows, this is when we were 41 when we were doing this. It wasn't like we were twenty. We were had been long in in down the road in marriage and in working in really hostile places before we began to understand, wow, most of what we've been doing has just been pure frustration. God was in it, God was leading, but we were it was so hard for us because we weren't operating in who he really made us to be. We were working, we weren't it was toilsome to us. It wasn't working from rest. It was it was painful. Um, and so um, so in anyway in the process we had to it was like Donna said to me one day, so I'm not supposed to get my identity from you, from me, Jamie. I was like, wow, and I'm not supposed to get my identity from her Donna. In other words, you don't get your identity from your spouse. Oh, that's so good. like that was crazy. Oh, yes. oh that's that powerful. Was pretty that was hugely powerful to us. And parents don't get identity from their kids. You know how many parents get their identity from their kids and it puts pressure on kids who think now, well, I got to get my identity from my parents approval and we're all in bondage to these comparisons and we can't measure up to all of this. Okay. So if I get my identity from Donna, that means if Donna's having a bad day, I suffer. Uh, or she gets her identity from me and I let her down, she loses her identity in my failure. That can't be right. That cannot be right.
0: No, that can't. If that
1: was right, that that means that Jesus failed when Judas betrayed him. If, If Jesus gets his identity from how well the disciples are doing, he's in big trouble, right? Right. So we can't get our identity from people around us, including our spouse. Now, what's so liberating about that is that Donna doesn't have to depend on me making all the perfect right decisions as a godly husband for her world to work. In fact, she's free of it. She's free of it because no matter what I do, right or wrong, her identity comes from her relationship with the Lord. So she's free to love me in my failure because my failure doesn't take away from who she is. It's really beautiful. And you listen. You will never forgive anyone if you get identity from them. You can't. Right. You have to be yes. free. You have to be free of the person in order to cut them off and forgiveness and let them go. So, so Donna and I realized that husband and wife; those terms are not identity. They're not identity terms. They're roles. They're roles that we're in, like parent or father like I'm a parent. That's a role I'm in, but I have a very unique identity as a parent. The beautiful thing about that is I don't have to be like any other parent. I don't have to compare myself to some famous Christian husband and father that I'll never be like, that only makes me feel guilty. Like, man, that guy is such a good father and husband. I'll never be like that. The Lord's like, I don't want you to be like him. (laughs) I want you to I want you to be who I made you to be with the kids that I gave you and their unique identity. It's so liberating. It's so liberating. Stop comparing yourself to other parents. Stop comparing yourself to other husbands and other wives. be who I asked you to be, which drives you into abiding in Christ. Abide in me. My words abide in you. That's stay attached to me. Don't attach to some other person's view of parenting Attach to me and ask me, Lord, what do you want me to do with this beautiful woman that I'm married to? What do you want me to do with these amazing kids that you've given me? And stop worrying about what other parents would do or say.
0: Oh, that's so It's, it's
1: good. all about the freedom that we have in Christ to be who Christ made us to be by staying attached to Christ above all else. That's, that's the, it's, Yeah.
0: And that's so freeing, just like what you said. But and there's a scripture that says that we work out our own soul salvation with fear and trembling, meaning that it's it's it, that makes it's individual. It's individual. So right. I've got to get my own identity for me. And 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 then once I understand that, then I can I'll actually help my wife discover her identity by leading her. But not but but my job is not to place my identity on her. Right. But exactly. that guy, my children. Right. That's I, exactly right. You know, um, yep. world. This, is is. Mm-hmm. We were having dinner one night. It was about a couple months ago, and we were just sitting around. I have a ten year old and, and a twelve year old, and we were just sitting around. And I just felt like the Lord said, "Now's the time to walk them through identity exchange." So, so I just simply just kind of, in, in a gentle way, just said, "Hey, you know, you know, Jalen." what does God call you? And, and he immediately, boom, God calls me a kingdom shaker, taker. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. You mm-hmm. know, we were doing the prayer. Mm-hmm. And then, and my, my yeah. daughter, I said, I said, I said, money. What does, call, what does God call you? And she's like, I don't know. And I was like, okay, let's walk through that. And she's like, no, I don't want to. And I was like, sweet, there's no one else here. Let's walk through it. And, and, and she was sitting next to my wife. And, and so, we prayed and we would start walking her through the process. And, 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 and the funny part is my son was like, come on, are you not getting this? Like, I've already got mine. What's the deal? Like, come on, let's get, let's make this happen. <laughs> and so, so I was like, hey, buddy, let her relax. Just relax. You'll get it. And so I was like, what does God call you? And she literally started crying. I said, well, I said what does he call you? And she said, he calls me beautiful. And from that yeah. moment on, She's never been the same, never been the same. Wow, never. That and it's so cool. So I guided yeah. them versus placing that I that on them, and then I, from time to time, I think I just did it last week, as that we were you know getting ready for bed, and I and I just was just kind of cuddling with both of them. I was like, "What does God call you?" And she's like, "You already know what He calls me." I was like, "But no, I want I want to hear you say it," and she said it, but I can yeah, tell us okay. to to you know, get it to stick, um, and, um, right. And really help That's because right. you're not alone and you're not stuck.
1: You That's know? right. Ever. Never. This That's is right. your
0: identity yeah. that God called you and And it's so powerful. So I love that you went that direction because there is always this competition of you, you know, a husband and wife in the pressure of, you know, comparing a husband and wife, even when we do marriage counseling, we always hear, Couple saying, "Well, he, she's comparing me to another husband or another uh, couple," and, yeah, right. and it's and it's yeah. and it's crazy. And then on top of that, people are like, "Well, what's the heck? Why do I want to be married if I got this pressure?" And 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 we're not designed yeah. to just to get together just to and then fall apart. We're designed to work together. And part of it is right. your marriage is your ministry. So if my marriage is my ministry, then let's help each other walk in our true identity mm-hmm. so that we can abide in Christ and be free and yeah. love
1: free. Yeah. And that's thrilling. I mean, who doesn't want that? Yeah. That's incredible. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, and even, that's what marriage is. Yeah. Even in ministry, when we, I mean, let's deal with it here. Since you're on the subject is, is, is even people in ministry titles, you know, um, uh, pastor and, and they and 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 people live yep. by that and it's the pressure and 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 and, and this may mm-hmm. be a topic of its own of itself but but the reality is that so many pastors are committing suicide because of the pressure mm-hmm. of I'm a pastor yeah, and everything's right. around me and they don't know right. who God who got calls them to be.
1: That's right. Yep. Yeah, the time exactly doesn't right. make you. How can you? Yeah, that's right. Go ahead. Keep going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it doesn't make him see how these people who, who have committed suicide as leaders and, you know, I'm this, I'm that. And, and it's this whole pressure I know from my own self. I, I mean, me it's in it, and they, but once you realize, wait a minute, that that's my identity. Those are giftings that support me in my identity to do what I'm doing in my, right. in, my in my true self, but that that's not my identity. Someone just said that to me They said, "But is that in your DNA? Is kind of that is kind of your identity? You Has an absolute profit that?" But no, no, that's the gifting. That's not my identity. My identity is a kingdom shaker, right. restore, repair it. I live in that. The giftings support me in the area of that. That that and the people are like well, right? They were having a hard time wrapping their brain around it. And the reality is, is that. Yeah. I mean, I hear when I get into that discussion all the time, I mean, multiple times people have, when I talk about the giftings and the, this, the identity people, I mean, you know, since we've been talking about identity for, since last year, people were like, I, I don't understand. I get it. And then all of a sudden they get the aha moment. Like, oh man. And I walked a youth pastor do, through this process and he was like, his whole life was wrapped around youth pastor, his whole life. And it almost yeah. cost him his okay. marriage. Because right. it was like I've got to right. perform, I, I got to yep. perform, and that's then right. he realized, like, wait a minute, that's not my identity. And this, then now, he's walking other youth pastors through this whole process, and the right. freedom that he gives. But, he's like, I feel so free, Clyde. Go ahead.
1: No, you're exactly right. You're making a distinction between identity and vocation, which is very different, right? So Jesus's identity was Son; his vocation was Messiah. So when the enemy attacks Jesus he never attacks Jesus as the Messiah he attacks Jesus as the son he says if you are the son and that's how he attacks him because he's attacking the identity of Jesus not the vocation of Jesus the vocation doesn't matter if Jesus loses his identity the vocation is pointless if it's not the son that's doing the Messiah there has been lots of messiahs that didn't work because it wasn't the son as the Messiah so people, people that are getting their identity from their vocation is, is you're gonna die in that for sure. It's like, you know, professional athletes that don't play anymore or the, the whole series of police officers in New York City that retire and go out in the parking lot and shoot themselves on the day of retirement because they have no identity apart from the vocation. They don't know what it is. Yep. And um, And, and so, and so, you know, lots of people get their identity from their vocation and pastors. They, it, it's easy to, because that's what people call you. You're a pastor. You're my pastor. It sounds like an identity. It, it may be that God calls you pastor, but it's, or it but it's probably deeper than pastor. It's like, what kind of pastor is a general term. Maybe he calls you that, but what kind of pastor and pastor for what? And pastor for who? And pastor where these kinds of deeper identity questions? And in in the gifts, the other day, what's the difference between gifts and identity? And I just said, just think the every human is unique. There's how many fingerprints does God have to come up with? It's endless because he wants everyone different, but there's a set list of gifts in scripture. There's a limited number. So that means there's a limited number of gifts going to unlimited numbers of identities. So there you go. There's uh, your gifts are from God and they're part of, they're part of what God has given you but the identity is unique and the gifts are more general. Actually, there's a limited number. So I might have the gift of prophecy or tongues, but my identity uses that gift in a very distinct way as opposed to someone else that has the same gift in a different identity. So God is very big if you look at the whole reality. He's big on diversity, really big on diversity. He doesn't like uniformity and so it only makes sense that every tree, every human, every flower is distinct. Like, I don't know how more clear he can show that. he, You are distinct from everyone else, and your job is not to try and be like everyone else. It doesn't make any sense.
0: Totally sense, so. yeah. I mean, my good friend Shana, we were talking about this this, whole, this past weekend about it, in during a conference and, and she was just, I mean, she was, she brought some, some great things. I was like, oh, I didn't even think about it that way. Even after we got done, but she was talking about the whole you're part of the identity and the giftings and, and how it all plays into it. Basically it's that funnel that your, your giftings following you into your true self. But it's, it was all through the process of the uh, DNA and all that through that process and how she just bridged it together. And I'm thinking, wow, I never really thought it from that, 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 that way. And it was really, really good when we had that right. conversation because she's like, "No, that, yeah, that's part of your identity, a little bit of your identity, but it goes deeper in that through your DNA." And and, and she said, "We're saying the same thing. It's just we we got to go, you know. Basically, God is a big God, and and there's He's diversed. He's diversed, but we tend that's to right. limit right. Him because we only think what the world says. Well, God can only do this. No, He's diversed." That right. had, even that scripture says diversity right. of gifts, diversity of gifts because he's diverse. Sure. Yeah, that's right. You know, right. Yeah. Man, right. that, that is so, so <laughs> see, all of this is like, like, like it leads us back into this whole process of we've got to walk through this identity and it's and through this reconciliation right. part of it is that, you know, groups of people can't see themselves being whole because they have the internal conflict going on that really I'm right. not good enough but and then you think God's gonna really talk positive or healthy to me, I'm a mess. Someone just someone just told me that the other day. There's like there's no way he's gonna talk to me. I'm a mess. I, I, I can't even right. I can't even believe myself. I, I can't believe that he will want me to, to do his task or his assignment or I'm a mess. And the reality is that's false. It's
1: right. false. Absolutely. Absolutely false. And even when you're calling yourself a mess or unworthy, it that, and this is a good place to make the distinction between radical individualism and identity, just to keep that in mind. Yeah. Identity is received from God, right? In community. Radical individualism is me just coming up with names for myself all the time, you know, which is what produces conflict in, ourselves and in the world. It's like, I'm going to call myself this. And even though I don't really think I'm that, but I'm going to call myself that I'm going to get people to call themselves that we're going to get together and call ourselves that and make everyone else call me that. It's just constant producing conflict. Instead of being who God made you to be resting in it and allowing others to be who God made them to be. And let's get together on that versus this is what we call ourselves. This is what we're going to fight about. So radical individualism is subjective, it's circumstantial, and it produces conflict. It's telling us who we are in community, in our in our unique self. It's received from God, and it produces reconciliation and unity. That's mm-hmm. what it does. That's yeah. how we tell the difference.
0: Yeah, that that's so good, Jamie. So tell me, has we has we. This whole process of identity, as we walk through this whole process of identity, now that we really can know, how do we now start? start really, well, let me say it this way: start healing these 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 groups. You know the this racial tension. I, I believe, man, I believe this is clear as day. Is this is? I believe this is the the key to healing. Is I first got to understand uh, yeah. identity, my identity first, before I can say You're right. my friend down the street or person next door to me, I've got to deal with me. I know my identity first and, and really be start reconciling some things inside of me. Once I do that and understand what God calls me, then I can out of that, I can start walking into that place of healing um, I mean, you tell a story of, um, and help me interrupt me if I'm wrong, but I remember you were talking about, there was a group that was meeting and, um, and it was, um, talking about race <clears throat> and there was one guy that stood up, I don't know if it was a pastor or something, but that stood up, um, and was just kind of like very aggressive and kind of threw the whole meeting off a little bit. Am I saying it right? I think it was, uh, we were we were talking about doing this podcast, and you were you brought that
1: story yeah, up. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah.
0: Can you talk well, about that's that? Happened
1: in a lot. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I think, like, so I've had this happen in several different situations, <laughs> with several different groups. So... um, it's like like I don't even have to name the group I was in per se. So like I'm in a I was in a situation I'm the outsider in the group. I'm the foreigner. I'm the non. I, I'm not the same ethnicity of the group I'm in. So let's let's make that clear. So I'm in, but I and I'm invited into the group. So I go into the group and the, I know the group has a lot of solidarity based on their ethnicity and their religion. They, that's what's that's what holds the group together is their ethnicity is what holds them together as a group. I'm not, I'm not of that ethnicity. So I go into the group I'm invited in. That's important. I'm not trying to force my way. I'm invited in. And in so, and then, so I, I'm invited to say something to the group. And I, so I say something about identity in the group. Well, what, so what happened was, so you, I mean, I, the, the listeners can, this is like a good case study because this happened, this happened many times in many scenarios that we've worked in all over the world. So, um, so I, I'm speaking in the group, the leader of the group, when I said something about identity coming from God and not from anywhere else, that's, that's all I actually mentioned Jesus receiving his identity from God and not from his ethnicity. That's what I said, basically. Well, you can imagine how threatened the leader of that group felt. I mean, I'm saying this. It, it threatened the idea. Well, if, if identity doesn't come from ethnicity, then what's holding this group together? Right. right. Nothing. But, I mean, that's the fear. It's like we suddenly have no reason to be together, which isn't true, but it's the lie. That's the lie. Um, and so let me just I'll say it this way if that group is held together based on a gender, then that group is being held together by a false identity. If that group is being held together by a religion, it's not a identity. That's false identity. That's being held together by fear and self-protection and self-promotion. So the person, the leader stood up and really attacked my ethnicity. right? Right. Um, and who I was, and what I believed about God, and just went on the attack. So, so in that, and it was very heated. I didn't say one word. It was just, but the attack was very insulting. Um, and so, in that process, here's what, if I got my identity from what people think about me, I would have had to fight back, right? Right. Yep. If if I don't if my identity doesn't come from God, then I either have to self protect or self promote in that attack. Which means I have to join in the conflict. Um, however, I don't wanna just quit and go, oh, Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. That, that's not helpful either because that just allows the falsehood to continue. So here so here's what what motivates the leader to go on the attack like that. What's this is, this is my thinking because while he was doing it, I was asking God, what do you want me to know? And what do you want me to do in the situation? See, because I'm not threatened by the situation because I'm like, okay, these people think I'm stupid or I got to show that I'm not weak or all those lies that the enemy's trying to use to promote conflict. I'm just saying to the Lord, tell me what you want me to know right now. And what do you want me to do? So I'm, Staying inside of my true self, not letting my ethnicity, my background become an issue in the discussion I'm, because, because I don't get my identity from it. So, uh, and, and this is what my sense of the Lord, the Lord is like, that. The, the reason this person is yelling at you and screaming at you is because of you've produced fear in the room and it's causing their false view of themselves to jump onto the attack, which is which is the other person's belief that are you saying that our group's not valid? Are you saying that we're not valid, that I'm not a real leader, that our group's not a real... Like all of those lies, all of, because all of their identity comes from the color of my skin, the, my belief of God, who my parents are. All my identity comes from that. So if you attack it in my mind in any way, I must defend. I must fight. So, so when the person's doing all that, I can, I can say, okay, Lord, you're, you're asking me to emphasize with this person as a human being who's been hurt and wounded by my people or by my religion, you know? Um, and so I have to acknowledge that that is true. We have done that. My people have done that to your people, I acknowledge that's true. So I'm, if I was in a false identity, I would have to try and justify that, deny that. I don't, I don't have to. I'm like, I get you, yeah, I I I'm, i am don't think I wasn't in it, but I do understand, I do know what it's like to be afraid. I do know what it's like to be feel powerless and worthless. I do know that as a human, and I am agreeing with you as a human, that you that is what you're speaking from i agree with it so we're never going to be able to if we're going to discuss how different we are based on where we were born who our parents were and all that we're never going to resolve it but here's where we can meet in our fear we can meet in our fear in our pain and in our pain and in our fear and in our suffering is exactly where jesus will meet us and he will meet us not as black white muslim christian He won't meet us there. He'll meet us as the people he made in our mother's womb. He will meet our true selves together right there in that spot. And he will reconcile each one of us to ourselves, each one of us to him, and then each of us to each other. That's the process right there. But as long as we're going to get our identity from the gang name, we're only going to fight. That's all we'll ever do. That's it. But in our true identity, my identity is not blood, But Those aren't identities. My identity is not Democrat, Republican. And if you want to fight over who's right and wrong in those identities, we will never end. Never, never end. But if I say to you, look, I'm afraid that I'm unimportant in this world and I'm powerless. And that, that's confessing. I'm confessing to the person. Look, here's what I know about humans. And I, cause I feel it. I feel powerless and ashamed of myself, actually, like I'm not as smart as everyone else. Is that what you mean? And that person says, that's exactly what I mean. Then we have a chance to reconcile right there. One, mm. because you know what? We're brothers. We can, we're not powerless. We're not stupid. We can do, that's not who we really are. I am alive and free in Jesus. You are alive and free in Jesus. That, me and you, alive and free in Jesus, We can overcome any division in the world in that place, but if we're going to emphasize the separateness, we'll never get out of it.
0: Wow! But and see, those those data right there is the question is, do we want to get
1: out of it? That
0: because if we want to get out of that, that's that's right, we must be willing to walk ourselves through understanding who we are, whether I'm believer. Or a believer, because I just wrote right. in my notes here is, um, and I've heard you say it multiple times, is that I, this whole identity can, it can be, it can, it can go anywhere because everyone right. is in, we all have the That's same right. common thing is fear. And all right. of us.
1: Exactly right
0: can be transformed through the power of identity, whether you're a believer or not a believer. But the question is, are, do we really want to get out? Do we really want to be free, whether not a believer right. or, or a believer? Because this identity is so verse. It's as versus as universal. It, right. it, is, it, it is it because it's what it is. And so when we in those groups like you're talking about, in that group, you—I've been in those groups, those settings, and it's tension. Well, everyone has—you can tell everyone what's the identity of the group. Well, we're coming against this particular people, this particular group. Right. We're coming against this particular yeah. gang set. That's the identity, corporate identity and individual identity. Right. And, and people don't understand there is a That's corporate right. identity, and there is an individual identity. And, in yeah. the, and more like That's Jamie true. was talking about, what holds people together is a corporate identity. We're all believing the same thing. We're all believing the same purpose, and we're not going to deviate from that. And, we're, and when you believe that same thing, we isolate, we separate, and go into isolation. Right. Versus saying, "Wait a minute, hold on, let's we're thinking about this all wrong. <laughs> let's get the corporate." Individual and I and correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie. Is I think it, if, if when I'm looking at this, if we deal with individually first, then outwardly comes the freedom for breaking the 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 false self, the off off the the corporate self of the group or individuals yeah. or or people group. Um, That's and right. but we're afraid to deal with that. We're afraid. That's right. Because what do they think about us? Am I going to lose out? I'm going to be ostracized or I'm going to be kicked out of the group or or am I going to die? I want to die in this group and people die in groups, you know, people like, well, this is, I'm here for a lifetime. Well, what is the identity of that group? What's keeping you together? Do we really want to change in America? Um, and and right. you, Matt, I know that you talked about this last week and I was hoping you were going to talk a little bit more about it. Last the last time we met, but you were talking about the economy. man. I'm Wow. Um, and I went back <laughs> and listened to the podcast. I'm thinking, oh, my word. One, I wanted to be in that group. I need to hear that, Two is that that this right here, that whole economy also is attached to. This racial tension Because it's fighting oh, over yeah. money It's uh, fighting over the political groups It's p- fighting over this And guys hear me hear, I, just, I want you to understand We're just not talking about this racial thing it, Race is also the whole political as well It all goes into yeah. that And so I really want people That's to that. understand That that we, man Jamie's heart Is not trying to say Isolate different pockets of uh, ethnic, ethnic groups or anything. We're talking about this thing as a whole. Um, oh, I mean, yeah. Because I've been in groups and conversations like this, and it's always about individual groups, pockets. We never address the whole part, of the whole, the world, that the issue that we have, the political, okay. religion, okay. and the people. But it's what? but this whole economy thing is so big that people are like they're they're in a. Um, I think you talked about it the other day. It, a scarcity scarcity and we are locked up in that. So would you just kind of flirt with that a little bit?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So it is, you're right. And that's a good way to say it. So we call it the me story and the world story. So I have my own story, story, all of us do our own identity. We have to understand what is my true identity? What is, what is the identity that God has given me uniquely in the kingdom of God? Who am I? Once you have that identity, once you understand it, you have to recognize that we live in a world system. The whole thing is built on a lie. The entire system is built on a lie. The entire system, world system, I'm saying. But when I say world system, I'm talking like the book of Ephesians, where Paul says we have there's the prince of the power, the ruler of the air, the powers. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places the the whole world system that we're in is built on a the lie of scarcity and separateness. What that means is that um in this world we this is what almost all of us believe apart from Jesus, it's all you believe, is that this world has limited resources. There's limited jobs, there's limited oil, there's limited water, there's limited fame, there's limited money and We're all in a race and in a competition to get our piece of it. All of us believe, we all believe this. Churches operate in this model. Nonprofits operate in this model. There's limited funding. We can't work together because we got to get funding for our project and other Christian groups. And it's a competition for people and the whole thing. So it's called a scarcity model of economics. So it means that I'm separate in the universe from everybody else. And I'm in competition with everybody else. And so I have to self-protect and self-promote in order to secure my piece of the pie and, and, from, and keep it from everybody else. In that mindset, and I might be say I love Jesus and I have Jesus in my heart. And then I go out and I participate in this model. And so in order to do that, that means I have to dehumanize people around me in order to beat them for my piece of the pie. So I have to marginalize people and not think of them as people like Cain did with Abel. So when the Lord says, where's your brother? And Cain's like, that's not my brother. He has to, it can't be his brother in order for him to kill. Like he can't kill his brother. So it has to not be my brother. That's not my brother. And so I can exploit them, use them, kill them, enslave them because there's a limited a limited re- gold in the world, and I got to get my my amount. And so then all the groups go into competition for the limited resources. And the more people in my team, the more in my group, the more I can take more of the resources. And this is the whole economic system. And so if you've beaten me out of the resources, I'll get more power, and I'll come and I'll beat you, and then I'll take the resources. And it's the, and again, it's a fight we can never get out of. So one quick example. So we're working in the West Bank. A Palestinian will tell you that the Israelis have stolen everything that we have over the last hundred years. And they'll show you the truth of it, as far as they can see the world and everything in it. And they'll say that we, are, that the Israelis have blocked us and trapped us in every way and we can't escape. So the Palestinians are saying we are victims. So any, the, the victim, of victim, is, to be a victim, you have to say that other people have power over you, that they control your future. That's the mentality of any victim. So I, here I, I'm white. I, you know, I'm, I have, have privilege in my life, but I can still see myself as a victim to taxes. I see myself a victim to counter-political parties. It's my belief that these groups own my future unless I beat them, unless I destroy them or something like that. So the victim mentality, it, it's not a true identity. It's but you have but I might be it might be real that I'm not a, I don't have the same economic power that another person is, but I'm not a victim. So the whole thing for helping the Palestinians move towards peace was taking away the victim identity, which is the Israelis actually, even if they want to have power over you, they don't. Actually they don't. They have it because you let them have it in the sense of, you, you don't think God's greater than any, you think Israel's greater than God or the U.S. is greater than God. Once one young Palestinian realized, wow, I get my identity from God, God is the one that enables me to live on this planet, not the U.S., not Israel, not anybody, it's God. And there's more than enough in this world when I'm abiding in Christ. And suddenly the barriers to their future go away. It's really fascinating to watch. And they realize that not only are the Israelis or the Americans not my enemy, they're actually, they actually can be ways for me to access greater levels of who I actually am. And, then, and, and so it takes away the whole life, like I gotta fight these people the rest of my life. And, and, or they gotta pay me back or I'm gonna beat them. It takes it away and they realize, oh my gosh, I am absolutely free of all of this nonsense. And that God can bring opportunity from, even if the Israelis try and prevent it, when God brings it, it can't be stopped, right? So no group has authority over me, even if they intentionally try to have it over me. So so this is the freedom that we're talking about. Yes. And I, it's not dream world high in the sky. It's Paul singing in a jail cell. It's Paul realizing, I'm not ashamed to be here because I'm free. You know, I'm not, no one can enslave me. And Jesus like, probably says, don't you understand we have the power of life or death over you? And Jesus is like, no, you don't. You do not. I lay my life down. I take it up. No, I am a victim of nobody. I That's what he... That's even unto death, Jesus is saying. I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim. Once a, once a person stops thinking like a victim, then everything changes in their life. And all God is saying to all of us is, you are more than conquerors. You are more than conquerors. You're not victims. I made you alive and free. Stop letting the enemy tell you that you're powerless and stuck because of some other person. It's not true. Stop receiving it. Stop living like it. Be alive and free. Love your enemy. Why? Because you actually don't have an enemy other than Satan himself. That's what he's saying. Be free. Be free. Rome could never enslave Jesus. Never, never, never. They could never stop Christ. All the power of Rome, all the power of the the, the Sadducees and Pharisees could not even slow one guy, Jesus, down. That's why we think this system is killing us and beating us. Why do we act like that? It's not. So that's the scarcity model that we all believe it. And the, the gift economy, <clears throat> the abundance economy of God is, is my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's the release. That's the joy. There's enough. There's enough. Relax. Be who I made you to be. Work from rest. Enjoy what you're doing. Be energized by what you're doing. Don't lay in bed. At, ah, you don't have enough. That's the enemy. So that yeah, and we that scarcity models everywhere. And you're right. And we have to unite together. Black, white, Asian, all of us have to unite together and beat this lie that we live in. Oh, we can't do it if we don't recognize. Cool.
0: It. Oh man, that's so good. That is so, and see, once we grab hold of that and live in that and work from a place, like you just said, from a place of rest and in yeah. that place of rest is guys understand this in, in your, in your true self, what God calls you in, in, even if you're, if you pass this podcast on and if you're not a believer, you still can work from a place of rest.
1: Absolutely. You can yeah.
0: still work from a place yeah. of rest, Jamie. So yeah. my friend. As we wrap this up, tell me what is one thing that has impacted your life that you can pass on to these listeners? One thing, what is one thing that has impacted your life that you can pass on to everyone that you think would be?
1: Well, I think, I think most recently I'll just do what's freshest to me is we were our team, you know, we have a small team working on some of this stuff, but was, was that we, we went to god and said okay we're operating a system that we don't know how to beat like it's too overwhelming how do we transform an economic system that's been in place since the invention of money really um and we're just us you know it's just us and um and here's so so it's not only did do we think we have a sense of the solution i think a lot of good people are coming up with a solution now finally but Um, But this is this is the beauty. James says it. If anyone lacks wisdom, ask for it. And God gives it liberally. That is like we took one day and just said, Lord, we don't know how to beat the economic system that's trapping us right now. We don't know. It's bigger than we are. And it's not people. That's the hard part. It's not people. It's the air. (laughs) It's the belief (laughs) that's killing us. It's not a person we can go confront or challenge or pray for. It's a system. It's it's what Paul says. It's powers. And um and we took a day, like eighteen hours, like a full long day, and just said, Lord, we need wisdom on how to do this. But here's the thing is the key. When you ask God for wisdom, you have to do what he says. Like you can't ask for wisdom and then try and decide whether to do it or not. That state in your heart when you ask him is God give us an idea and we may or may not do it. He's not doing it. We're not getting the idea. Correct. So we, the first part of it was like, Lord, we're the deepest way that we know how to do it. That whatever you say, when we ask you this question, we're going to actually do what you say. We that's, we truth tell on that. We work through our own spirit. God's for us. He's not going to hurt us. He's not going to kill us. If we ask him, he's going to tell us words that give life. Uh, they might be sacrificial and costly, but they're going to lead to life. So we just spend some time. Lord, are we in a place where we will actually do what you say? We just keep asking him that. Are we telling the truth about this? Okay, we are. Okay, would you tell us, give us an idea on how to counteract the economic system we're in? He he gave us an idea. So what's cool about that, what the issues are, the problems are, if you have a God that actually gives wisdom about what to do with it when you run into it, like that's the most beautiful thing. He wants us to come to him and ask him these questions. And with the word of God and the spirit of God and the people of God, he gives solutions that we can move into that cause us to grow into deeper into who we really are, cause us to grow far deeper into understanding the amazing God that we serve. And to to understand we cannot do this alone. We have to be working together to do it. it that to me is just for wisdom. He gives it, and it, it makes us love him more, it makes us love ourselves more, and it makes us love one another more, which are the two greatest commandments. Mm. So if you lack wisdom, get alone with the Lord, take your Bible, pray for the fullness of the Spirit, and start asking questions, and have a notepad, and write down what comes to your mind, and then do it. That's just amazing to me.
0: That, yeah, that is absolutely amazing. That That is the wisdom that James talks about ask, you know, ask for the yeah. wisdom and just as you were sharing and guys, I want you to know right. that, you know, this whole idea um, of, you know, identity reconciliation, this is, it's real overwhelming and, you know, two podcasts is not going to do, do it, but, but getting to talking about it and <laughs> having some solutions or some strategies. I think one of the biggest things that, the focus is, is to say, let's get um, moving in this direction. Sorry. Well, you're good, buddy. Um, in in talking about identity, I believe identity, as I said before, is is the key to this reconciliation and, and, and helping people really understand what they've been called to do and that you can, my friend, let me challenge you to call you to action is to say, you can walk and discover your true identity and help others in right. around your community to really break down this racial tension this is so big. Everyone's against everyone. Everyone is trying to figure out where life is. Everyone is like Jimmy just talked about the you know the economy part of it. And there's the political part of it. but at the end of the day, we have the most powerful person that lives inside of us, and that's the Holy Spirit, that can lead us and guide yeah. us and shepherd us into our true self and that true identity which is in, that God gives us. And so, Jamie, I man, I just appreciate you so much for taking the time uh, to to I mean, yeah, thank you, talking through this process, and um, and I just wanted a conversation. And so, you guys that are listening, it's just a conversation, and uh, and I try not to cut in a lot while he was sh- sharing because I want you to really, really, really get it uh, and really think through the process and think through it and ask God for wisdom and ask God. And, and maybe you've experienced some some, you know, um, you know, hurts and some pains and some, you know, through this whole, you know, ra- uh, racial tension and things like that. This is a yeah. time for the church to stand up and you can do that. I promise you guys, man, in your, in your identity, live from that part, get wisdom, live from that part and watch God truly, truly use you in in a, in, a, in an amazing way. So with that being said, thank you once again, Jamie, and I appreciate you guys yep, so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to our podcast, our City Awakening podcast, and uh, we appreciate you. And I think uh, next week, or actually this week, we'll be having Mike and Janelle Friedrich on talking about marriage. And so I'm really fired up for that couple. They know Jamie as well. And um, and it, I mean, it, I would tell you um, that part of their message will probably be on you know marriage through identity. And so trust me, it's, it's going to be a good, great conversation, just like this one was. So take care. God bless you. We love you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care.